especially with track meets, right? They have these huge track meets where everybody goes, but you have to travel to get there. You might not be training on that travel day, so you're not eating as much, you're not drinking as much, and you're setting yourself up for failure. Hi, Jenna. Welcome back to the podcast. Hello, hello. So excited for all these good questions we've got today. I'm pumped. So many good questions. But before we do that, I am very excited about some highs and lows that have been going on this week. Okay, tell me. I'm too excited. I'm going to have to start with a high. I am finally going to run a marathon. Oh my gosh. Okay. Have you officially picked which marathon you're running? So I think I'm going to run the Charlotte Marathon. It's November 4th, which is a couple days after my birthday. I have been always like wanting to run a marathon, but I don't have the balls to do it. (laughs) So I'm going to, I'm going to do it. You've committed. I've committed. I was talking to a couple of my athletes and one of them is on like doing red S and period recovery right now. And I was like, okay, you know, like if you get your period back, like I'm going to run a marathon with you. And she was like, deal. And then everybody else was like, you have to do it. It would be such great content. So I'm partially motivated by them, but I've, it's been on my list for a long time. Oh my gosh, Riley. This is so exciting. That's such a high week. I love it. I have 26 weeks to go. Okay. <laughs> training you, starts this week. I was going to ask, are you doing any specific training plan or just kind of getting out and starting to run? I mean, like, I know you run already, but are you doing anything specifically for your training? Well, I'm trying to follow my own advice. You know, like, I'm always like, start small, start, you know, mm-hmm. slow, sustainable things. So I think for the next, like, month or so, I'm going to just do a lot of, like, foundation work. I have always been like, I can't run a marathon because my knee's going to hurt. But I was like, why don't I just use this as some motivation to like get my knee a little bit mm. better? Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you maybe had a little bit of fixed mindset that that wasn't possible because you have, we'll call them a little bit of a knee barrier. <laughs> but in reality, if you kind of start rehabbing that and slowly working into running rather than going out and like, I don't know, running the full six miles to the Hoover Dam and back in a single day, which we did do, um, yes. that it will kind of give that as a, an opportunity there. Yeah. So I'm yeah. really excited. I think it's going to be like mentally challenging as mm-hmm. equally as physically challenging because like right now it's like, you know, do three miles a couple times a week. I'm going to incorporate some like speed work and stuff. And so maybe my like crazy retired athlete brain is like, that's not enough, but I'll keep you updated. But that's my high. I'm very excited. I'm so excited. Have you run a half before? I have done two halves before, but I've never done the full. Um, And I feel like my goal is just to finish. Well, I'll keep you updated. But my goal right now is just to finish. My crazy self might be like, I'm going to try to go for a certain time or something. But right now we're just trying to finish. Okay. I like that goal. I mean, you've done two halves already. So two halves makes a full and full. So you've basically done it once. It's just... (laughs) Back to back. I love, yes. The thing is though, every time I ran my half, the time where it like split out. So usually Uh I ran the Long Beach half, which was in California and it's a pretty big race and they do the half track or course is the first half of the marathon. So at the end, maybe like mile 12, you break off and you're like half marathon, go left, full marathon, go right. 
and I was just, just so thankful. I was just so happy that I didn't have to go write and keep going. I could go and finish. Um, so this will be an interesting <laughs> challenge. Um, but I'm excited to like document it and like obviously apply everything that I know as a sports dietitian. So yeah. that's also fun. Yeah, I mean, it's a business absolutely. expense. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. I, you know, you kind of you're in a unique position too that you can kind of be like, I know exactly how to fuel my body for this type of athletic feat. So like your training from a nutrition standpoint will be able to support what your goal is as far as athletically. So you do have a leg up in that sense. I'm very excited. I'm also, okay, so now I have my low for the week. Yes. I feel like you're going to appreciate this one. Once I, I've never had like a green thumb. Like I have always wanted to be a plant lady. Like I've always wanted to be a plant person. I wanted to have my little plant babies like all over my house. It's never really worked out. When I moved to South Carolina, I was like, it's going to change. I'm going to be the coolest plant mom. I'm going to have cute puppies and cool plants. Like that's going to be the vibe. So I got my plants. We're actually doing pretty well over here. I have like maybe like 12 of them right now. Like they're all like the ones that you can't kill. Like Mm -hmm. the snake plants and things like that. But there's this thing right now on TikTok where people are like shaking their plants. I don't know if you've seen it. But no. people are, like, shaking their plants. And anyways, I'm on, like, the plant side of TikTok. This is why you shouldn't believe everything I hear on TikTok. But supposedly shaking the plants is, like, not that big of a thing. I can't believe I'm just, like, telling this story right now. I'm so embarrassed. But so I was reading online. I was like, you know, you don't need to shake your plants. Like, you should put them outside, like, once a week. And the wind will, like, naturally shake them. And so I was like, okay, my I'm a great plant mom really you know going into this plant mom vibe so I was like my plants are gonna go on a field trip once a week they're gonna go outside and I'm gonna water them I'm gonna do what they do at the store like at the greeneries where they like spray the hose I'm gonna put them outside they're gonna get some sunlight they're gonna get that natural like shake so I put my plants outside last week for like two hours and I go outside (laughs) And half of them are brown. I am so upset. (laughs) And I am like, what is happening with the plants? So I am like looking, like half of them are like browning. And I go online and I'm like, what happened to my plants? I thought I was such a good plant mom. They got sunburnt. You sunburnt your plants. I sunburnt my plants. Oh my God. You are the queen of, you know, remembering and reminding me to use like my sunscreen when we were outside and things like that. And here you are going to put your plants outside thinking you're doing a good thing for them and they got sunburned. Your poor plants. You were trying to be a good plant mom though. It wasn't like, you know, you were doing something, you know, like neglecting to water them. I sunburned my plants. You sunburned your plants. Okay. Well, you know, all in all, running running a marathon, sunburning your plants, you know. I'm like, this is like suburban problems over here. Yeah. <laughs> what are your highs and lows of this week or high and low I'll, of the week? I'll start with my high week part or the high part of my week. This is so silly. So I've always been like a cardio bunny. Like that's, I love, I love running. I love cycling, you know, anything like that. Like sign me up. That's my jam. Post pandemic, I got into weightlifting with my husband, which has been really good in terms of, you know, like, you know, we know that there's productive benefits of building muscle and preventing osteoporosis and you know all that good all that good jazz right but i've never really been like one for lifting heavy weights 
but I started squatting like with the bar, you know, like big time. But I know you'd be so proud of me. It's Who like is it's she? Such, a, such a different like type of workout than when like when we met back in Las Vegas time frame area. And I was like, I'm going to spin all the time. And you were like, maybe you should lift a weight, <laughs> you know. Uh, but our gym is very, very small. It has two squat racks. So like most of the time you're waiting to be on one. But this weekend we were on one. So we go back and forth, which is nice because like me putting more weight on for Nolan is like an extra added upper body workout. So like, great, good for me. But I was squatting more than the guy next to me. And it was like such a great moment to like, I maybe hadn't been thinking about, you know, it was always hard for me. Like it's not an easy thing. It doesn't come naturally but it was such like a nice moment to just be like oh wow like i've made a lot of progress here because like all of a sudden like somebody else who is maybe more of a novice in that sense next thing i could be like oh okay like i have made progress so i kind of got to see that which was that was the best part of my week look and at you I know. congratulations I know. thank you thank you and it's not like a lebron james like little little baby squat like half sit back type of thing she I got deep squat. she got low she got low <laughs> Exactly. So that's my, that's my high part of the week. My low part of the week actually happened somewhere in the hours of when I went to bed last night and when I woke up this morning. And that's because we did the one thing that our realtor told us not to do, which is become attached to a home that we were hoping for. And even though we're renting, we're not buying, you still put in an offer because, you know, people are competing to you know, say I'll sign a 15 month lease if you knock it down to this price or I'll sign a six month lease and I'll pay more. And somebody also put in an offer, we'll call it for a higher amount than what we were offering to pay. No. I know it's kind of, it's so silly, but it's like all of a sudden you do that and you start to think to yourself, oh, this is what my life would look like. I could set like this up here in this room and it would look so cute if, you know, and all those things that you start doing that your realtor is like, do not do that. The one thing you do not do is this and you do it, you do it. You know, it's like when your doctor tells you not to Google your symptoms and you do it. And all of a sudden we have a master's degree from WebMD and we're like, I have this, this is me. I thought I had an MD in plants. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard though, especially when you're like looking for a home because you have to like picture yourself in that place in order to offer, right? I don't know. Yep. Yeah. Because if you think about it and you're like, okay, maybe this one doesn't have the most updated amenities or something like that. But if you're like, wow, if I'm signing a 15 month lease at the end of those 15 months, am I going to be counting down the days until I move out? Whereas if we sign a longer one, it's like, oh, okay, I can see myself living here and you know, the goals that we have for the next two years and that fits with this location. So yeah, it's almost impossible not to try to picture yourself there, but at the same time, like it's, it's sad when it doesn't work out. What are your priorities? Like, what are you looking for in a house? Mm, great question um for our fur baby george who's laying right next to me obviously harder in arizona is to find some sort of outdoor space for him either that be like grass or turf but a lot of the yards are like rock yards so i want something where he can go outside and his paws feel okay and then just having enough space to have like a work from home office inside too and then we want it to be close to things because where we live right now is so walkable that going to anything that we have to drive a whole bunch to get to places we'd want to be, like that's going to feel super foreign. So that's probably another big thing, which definitely is limiting us as far as location goes. But I think location is so valuable when you're looking for a home. 
the three most important things in real estate are location, 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 right? <laughs> I, I strongly, I strongly believe that. Strongly yeah. believe that. Do you like location wise where you guys are right now? It's not walkable. I can't walk to a restaurant, but like we can walk around the neighborhood. So I like that. And we're, we were just trying to buy to get into the neighborhood. We weren't really coming from an LA market. We were like desperate because in LA, right? Like it is, it is wild. So coming here, we were just wanting to like maybe get into the neighborhood, but we didn't really realize how convenient our exact like lot would be because we are super close to like the pool and like the tennis court and like the basketball court and things like that obviously like I wish things like I would love to like walk the places but that's just not really how it is in the suburbs out here definitely a different type of walkability there but you've sent me pictures of your pool and it looks so nice and I can imagine with the heat as far as that being kind of a necessity in terms of summertime activity you have to get a pool in arizona oh yeah if there's not one physically in the neighborhood or at the house i'm like we're joining a gym that has an outdoor pool because there's just no way to survive without it i think that sounds so aggressive but (laughs) no it's freaking hot there (laughs) yeah yeah when we move in they were like oh it's like gonna be like 120 by the time you guys move here and i'm like cool that's cool lovely lovely on the topic of hot though we have a couple questions that we got from followers or listeners about fueling the summer hydration so i'm super excited to kind of just dive into those yeah first question up says extra things to be aware of for a very long and hot track meet this is such a great question such a good question. I would love to hear your perspective on this as somebody who did track in high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. Obviously I did track in high school and I understand there's a lot of difference between high school track and maybe collegiate level, but I vividly remember even in Colorado on the warmer days when we would have like the tents set up, whether that be on the infield of the track or maybe in the bleachers and we were supposed to stay under them to stay in the shade, but our coaches wanted us to stay in our full like warm up suits. Like we weren't supposed to sit in our tank tops and shorts. They didn't want us in the sun, but they wanted us staying warm. And I remember that so vividly being like, this is uncomfortable. Like I remember being like kind of sweaty and like our sweatsuits and our warm up suits and knowing that and knowing that in high school I was probably chronically dehydrated one because I lived in Colorado and I definitely was not drinking water throughout the day I was not thinking about it the day before or anything like that but then I was also sitting outside maybe not in direct sunlight but under a tent and then sitting in sweatpants sweatshirt and just being hot before the event and I remember cramping so bad after I would run without fail and I was not good I was not fast by any means I was not you know like but I still remember those feelings well it is so hard at least I find it so hard to eat when it's hot out especially Mm -hmm. if I was in a tracksuit or I was like clothed in any way when I was playing I was like how not like scandally but I was like how can I wear minimal clothing possible (laughs) because I I hate, like, I hated feeling hot, and it was such a struggle to eat when it was hot out, especially if you're thirsty, if you have cotton mouth. So I think in, like, this situation, you have to tell me if these are some of the things that you found as well, but I think you have to really focus, and 
this is for all type of events, right? Not just track meets, but like I remember playing in like soccer tournaments, similar thing where people wanted you to stay warm, but you wanted to be cool. It was like trying to find this like right temperature. And that again, made it really hard to eat, but really preparing the day before. So making sure that you're loading up your carbohydrates, you're loading up your fluids the day before. If you're only focused on like meet day, game day, or competition day, it's too late. Um, Especially when you're almost just able to top off your energy stores. So I always recommend like really focusing on what you're doing the day before. So if your meet's on Saturday, okay, what's our fueling plan on Friday? Are we getting in those good carbohydrates? Are we getting in enough fluid? Are we doing extra fluid? Are we doing extra electrolytes? Because what I find happens is a lot of athletes will travel, especially with track meets, right? They have these huge track meets where everybody goes, but you have to travel to get there. You might not be training on that travel day, so you're not eating as much, you're not drinking as much, and you're setting yourself up for failure on those meet days. There's also that component too of sitting and waiting a long time at a big meet like that, whether it be like track or swimming, one of those like more individualized, still a team event, but you're waiting for your specific event, and that might be a couple hours in between that you have like from, you know, say when you ran the 100 until the very end when you run the 400, that time frame that you have, what would you recommend an athlete doing like for something like that? Now we have the, now we have nerves on top of heat, especially when you're waiting around for events. So I always like to say like control what you can control. So you can control the time of your next competition, your next race, your next event. And sometimes those events get pushed too. The times change and different things like that. So I recommend packing a variety of different things that you can fuel with depending on what's happening and what you're feeling, right? If your next event is not for you know a couple hours, try to have a meal. At least try to get in a smoothie if you don't feel like a meal is something that you're able to do because liquid energy digests faster. A colder beverage can help reduce your core body temperature, which can help you absorb the fuel better and also helps a little bit with the appetite. I also recommend like making sure that you're practicing your feeling on practice days because you don't want to be trying something new and adding to that nerve that you're feeling on meat day. But if you have something that you know works, you know that your body likes to absorb, you know your body can process efficiently, then that just helps you and makes you feel more confident with your fueling plan on on meet day. Similarly to how you would practice for your actual event or sport, you should also practice your fueling to make sure that it does support you and your needs on the day that you're actually, you know, have your meet game, whatever, what have you kind of going off of that. When we're thinking about before the actual day of the event, I know you've talked about this a lot, but wanting to include like your performance plate and thinking about including color, but maybe picking some maybe lower fibrous, um, colorful things. Do you have any recommendations for that? So that way people can still get in color, but maybe a little bit lower on fiber. So that way we're not dealing with an all of a sudden overload of fiber and maybe some GI issues on the day of the game meet or whatever. Yeah, I really like using what I call like a game day performance plate the night before a game or a competition or a meet. So that plate would look like half carbohydrates, easy to digest carbohydrates, potatoes, rice. You could do breakfast for dinner if you wanted. You could do pancakes. Like that's always fun. Um, Pasta parties. I feel like everybody's doing pasta parties in high school. I remember I did. I don't know if you did, Mm -hmm. but pasta parties, 
So half your plate, you want that to be that carbohydrate. One fourth, you want protein to help with that muscle maintenance. And then just like you mentioned, you want one fourth of your plate to be like a lower fiber carbohydrate. I always recommend like if you're not eating Brussels sprouts, like on a daily basis, you're not eating a super fiber rich carb on a daily basis. Like maybe we shouldn't have that the night before a game or a meet or something like that, especially if it's an early session. But you could do carrots, zucchini, like a vegetable medley. You could even do a small side salad if it's the day before your meat or your game. So again, similarly to fueling and practicing fueling the day of your event, also practicing fueling the day before as well. Right. And I think that is very challenging for a lot of athletes, especially if it's a travel day or it's a taper day or it's a day that is like a recovery day, which most athletes have before you know a game or a meet or a competition so the Mm -hmm. idea of maybe not doing anything but then eating half of your plate with carbohydrates can be sometimes something that is intimidating to athletes another thing that can be intimidating to athletes is like early game times so our next question says how to fuel before an 8 a.m game yes i get this question all the time (laughs) my Main recommendation is practicing on practice days, on training days. What I find is so many athletes are not eating breakfast on their normal days, and then they go into their practice or their game day at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., and they're trying to eat, like force their body to accept fuel. It's just the same thing, like, if you think about me running this marathon, right? If I have not run any mileage and then I expect my body to go run, like, 12 miles on the weekend or do the 26.2, my body's going to be like, no, 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 it's going to react poorly, negatively, because it was too much. My body's not used to it. And I think we really forget that with fueling. Mm -hmm. If you're not eating breakfast on a daily basis – your body's not going to be able to accept fuel and be ready to accept that fuel on a, on a game day. Okay. I have a funny story that kind of relates to that in terms of not practicing or not training before an event in college. I wanted to run a half marathon and I convinced my roommate Taylor to run it with me. Taylor shout out to her said, yep, I'm all for it. Homegirl trained exactly three miles for this half marathon. And I do not mean three miles on a consistent basis. I mean, she ran three miles. That was her training. There was one day we ran three miles. Okay. Three miles is a lot different from 13 miles, but lo and behold on race day, we get up, we go, we run. And she finished in like a very good time. Like she said, she walked a little bit, but for the most part, she ran the following day. Like, cause obviously that race took place early in the morning. So the remainder of that day, Taylor laid in bed and ate pizza. And I'm not gonna lie, I was doing the exact same thing because like my fueling probably wasn't up to par, but like her body was so like not used to running in that sense. So similarly to how you need to train for practice times or game times early in the morning and prepare your body for what that might look like, it's important to do that when you're training for an event too, especially if it's something that your body is not used to. Exactly. And when you're an athlete and you're tr- like, and you're playing multiple games in a row and you have multiple games in a weekend, like you don't have that 
that time period to feel miserable <laughs> um, yeah. because you have to go again. Um, and I just, I really recommend making sure that you're practicing and you're building yourself up so that you're ready to go. Like when you mm-hmm. have the, those important times. Yeah. So that way you're not laying in bed eating a pizza afterwards going, I just feel like miserable today. Yes. We want to avoid that. Again, shout out to Taylor. Still very proud that she ran that full half marathon. <laughs> Next question is who shouldn't and who should drink Gatorade? I'm so glad that this was asked because I've been getting attacked on Instagram. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Tell me why. Because I've been recommending Gatorade. And ah. I think it's really hard because sometimes like a post will go viral and mm-hmm. people will come after me and I'm like, I'm a sports dietitian. Like the people that I'm talking to on this page are athletes and I'm not talking about everybody. Like this doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, but I think Gatorade, any type of carbohydrate rich sports drink, there's a lot of confusion around those products and I think there's just a lot of confusion around like sports drinks product like sport drink products in general because the sports drink products that are maybe designed for athletes are then sold or made available to the general public and athletes have very different needs compared to the general public Mm -hmm. so should we all be drinking Gatorade instead of water like no (laughs) too much of anything is a bad thing But incorporating a carbohydrate-rich beverage if you are an athlete who's training, you know, for greater than 60 minutes a day, like, yeah, you probably need to be drinking a Gatorade or a Powerade or some type of electrolyte and carbohydrate replenishment. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that that's such a good thing to say is, first of all, like, all things, you can have too much of a good thing. I think I say that all the time talking with people I'm like if I just ate spinach which we think of spinach is like such a great vegetable but if I only ate spinach I was just eating plates and plates of spinach I would be deficient in other things so that's a good thing to think about the other thing I think about too is like my mom is a very health conscious individual and I remember her buying me Powerade when I would be at swim practice because our swim practices would have dry land for like half an hour to 45 minutes and then we'd be in the pool for two hours So I needed that to get through that practice. And so it was very important to have something like that. So even though my mom was health conscious, she was aware of the fact that like I was going to need a little bit of something halfway through that practice. Right. And that's why Gatorade was was originally built, right? To replenish the electrolytes and replenish the carbohydrates that you're burning, right? At that 45 plus two hour session. We just label things as good and bad, right? Like when Gatorade first came out, I remember like it was like, you need to drink Gatorade, you need to drink Gatorade, you need to drink Gatorade. And then now we've swung to the other way where it's like Gatorade is the worst thing on the planet, but it's it's appropriate in different situations, right? Like even athletes, I know athletes who we cut down on their Gatorade or their Powerade consumption because they're drinking too much of it and then you drink plain water. But there's... There's just, I feel like, a fear culture now with Gatorade, and that's what I'm trying to, like, really, like, go against, at least on social media, because, like, fear of our food is much more dangerous than the food itself, no matter what food it is. Absolutely. Are you referring to the post that you're talking about, like, that you are looking at the camera and you're like, when I, when parents say that there's too much sugar in Gatorade and the background music is the let's get ready to rumble? 
Yes. <laughs> I love that one. It's so good. <laughs> when it first when I first put it out or whatever, it was in February and it got mm. like, I don't know, like 3,000 views, which it's great. That's 3,000 yeah. people. But it got randomly picked up by the algorithm and now we're at like 253,000 views. Oh, shoot. So and that's where it goes out to different people and then mm-hmm. at that point your your audience is more than just an athlete curious about whether or not they should be using Gatorade for a longer practice or event or something like that and you're reaching the average person who's like I'm not going to give my children Gatorade and it's like well of course not your kid is you know is five years old and they run around your yard for a couple minutes and that's it so yeah but even too I think like if you look at certain children I think a lot of times like even if maybe your kid is under fueling, right? Maybe your kid's not even an athlete, but like an like a carbohydrate or some type of energy rich liquid can help get in calories when people aren't getting enough food. So when we think about, you know, the 8 a.m. game or we think about the track meet as well, I know we've kind of segued now to athletes, but if you're not able to get in enough fuel, like something that has a lot of energy in it is a great option. It's just it's just so individualized. And I think we as humans have black and white thinking. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to fueling and nutrition, like it's not black or white. Along the same lines, as far as if you're trying to build that habit of getting in a breakfast and those liquid calories are much easier to get in than something that, you know, feels a little bit more bulky. Last and final question for today is, do you really need to eat after your workout? My immediate response is yes. So for athletes, yes. Mm Mm-hmm. For maybe like old Riley, hey, I'm going to say old Riley over here, but now she's going to be running a marathon. <laughs> um, this might change things. But I think it goes back like to that individualization. The answer most of the time I think is yes, especially for athletes who are training every single day. If you're training every single day or you're training multiple times a day, you need to get something in like as soon as possible. If you're somebody who's not maybe training every single day, you have a little bit more flexibility with when you're consuming that protein and that carbs afterwards. I also think that there's a big discussion around this because a lot of people talk about how if you're just eating after your workout and you're not feeling properly throughout the day, you're not going to see like optimal results, which yes, is true. For athletes, obviously you need to eat after your workout because it is a really important recovery time period. So just like most things in nutrition, we say it's kind of individualized or maybe the answer to most things is, well, maybe. It depends. <laughs> yeah, it depends. How many times do you think you say it depends when you're talking to a client or athlete? Like every single day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I had a penny for every time I said it depends, I think I wouldn't need to work as a dietitian anymore. Right. Well, my whole thing is like you have to understand the why behind things, right? Mm-hmm. Everything that we talked about today, like why, right? Like why are you drinking Gatorade? Is it because you like the taste of it? Okay, well, that's not even related to like performance feeling, right? Like or like are you drinking it because you need a fluid replenishment? Well, like maybe that's not the reason that we're drinking Gatorade, right? We're drinking it because we need some carbohydrates and we need some electrolytes. Maybe we just need – maybe we're trying to gain weight and we need – to have additional energy like or we can't eat before training like understanding the why behind our motivations when it comes to fueling it's kind of to wrap things up or to think about the final thoughts a lot of what we talked about it's very individualized 
but we also kind of have to take into account similarly to how we've talked about before those set practice or set game times or set meets or days or what have you and kind of optimizing your fueling around that time and then again with the specific things that you pick whether that be a Gatorade or a meal after it's going to be individualized as far as what that training or practice or game looks like on the given day and what we're doing around that time as well what are you looking what are you looking forward to this week I am really looking forward to starting the marathon training it's also super nice in Charleston right now so still enjoying the weather I'm actually really excited about the marathon and just kind of starting this and having something to train for and also being able to practice like some of the the nutrition I talk about so I'm really excited about that what about you I guess what I'm looking forward to most is probably just when the weather does start to warm up and I can start to get outside because that's like my favorite time is springtime, summertime weather in Ohio because you just can't beat it. And knowing that we're going to move to a way different climate, got to enjoy that while we can. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today and helping with the questions. If anyone has questions that they'd like us to answer on the podcast, feel free to drop them in the comments below or DM Riley on Instagram. Just as one final reminder, Riley, what's your Instagram handle for folks who don't know? At Riley.Baity.Nutrition. Awesome. Okay. Well, we'll see you for the next Q&A.